All right, go to Joshua chapter 1, and then also 1 Timothy chapter 4. Joshua chapter 1 and 1 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, we'll get going into this. I started a new series of messages last week uh, called The You Factor. Are you ready for you too? <laughs> you Factor part two. Uh, I enjoy winning. Anybody here enjoy winning? Uh, uh, some of you may be, uh, you, you think of that just as a competition, and, and I enjoy winning in, that, in all areas. <laughs> if we're going to play, uh, you know, a game, I'm going to beat you, <laughs> as, far as, I, as far as I'm concerned. If I'm going to play a game against your five-year-old child, I'm still going to win, <laughs> meaning they're going to learn real life. <laughs> And, uh, but how many understand when it comes to true success, the more important thing than, uh, than winning in a competition against somebody else is me winning in life. And, and that's what my heart is for you, that, that you win in life, win in the most important things, um, as opposed to just, you know, beating someone else out in something temporary. Uh, God wants us to win in life. And, and how many understand success is not a worldly concept, uh, it, we shouldn't have the idea that if we're truly devoted and completely dedicated to the Lord, then, uh, then success is not a part of that equation. No, actually, it is very much compatible. In fact, if you're fully committed and devoted to the Lord, you'll be more likely, unless you believe a lie, but you'll be more likely to succeed in all areas of life including your family and your finances and your business and, and just all, all, all things that we put our hands to have a better chance, if you will, of going well when we implement God's principles and do things His way. And so, uh, and so I, I want to get into some of these things uh, today. Many of us want to succeed, but we keep sab sabotaging our own success. And we're going to start to move some of those obstacles out of the way. Joshua chapter 1, let's notice again here in verse 8. It reads, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so something that we, of course, need to recognize from this passage is the continual usage of the word you and your. He didn't say if it's God's will, you'll succeed. You'll prosper. You'll have success. No, he said, if you will do these things, you'll make your own way successful. Amen. Yeah. And, and so it's vital that we have a clear understanding of what true success is. Otherwise, we're going to be pursuing things all of our life that aren't of real value. But yet at the same time, um, one of the main components to this is recognizing our part to play in the, in the equation. What, what, is, uh, what is required of me? What do I need to do? Or is this all up to God? You know, many have fallen into that trap of, uh, well, it's just all up to the Lord. He's sovereign. If he wants me to be successful, I will. And if he doesn't, I won't. Blah. Blah. Okay. Religion will teach you that the word of God will not. Yeah. And we intend to 
fully interrupt everyone's beliefs with scriptures. All right? And so if we harden our heart and stiffen our neck and say, well, this is the way I've always believed it, well, then we'll just stay the way we are, okay? But if we'll be open, then things can change and things can go higher for every single one of us, yeah? You remember Solomon, he, of course, he was offered some pretty good options. King Solomon of old, remember the, he, he was offered to have riches, long life, or wisdom. You choose. Take your choice. Wisdom, you know, an understanding heart, long life, or wisdom. And uh, you remember what he chose? He, he chose the wisdom. Yeah? He chose that, uh, that understanding heart. You know what he got? He got the wisdom, and he got the riches, and he got the long life. All right, that shows us the Lord is not opposed to a long life and riches. It's just get it in its proper sequence and you get everything. Yeah, get them out of order and you don't, just because you have money doesn't mean you have smarts. <laughs> doesn't mean you have wisdom. So let's go after the main thing. Let's understand true success and then let God bless us in all areas of life. Yeah, and so in choosing God's ways and plan, we're setting ourselves up to succeed in all areas. But again, the Scripture says, you make your own way prosperous. This is, a, this is something that we do. But the, but the process here goes like this. You, you saw in that verse, you meditate, you do, and then you prosper. You meditate, then you do, and then you prosper. How many know often people fall into the trap of um, they're lacking the prosper, and the prosper, the prosper is not, as we've explained in the past, it's not limited to money. So that's not the only, prospered means to succeed, okay? Uh, uh, but they're, they're, they're missing the prosper part, and so they immediately go to the God part. In other words, I'm praying, I'm having some problems in my life. I'm not winning. I'm not succeeding. So pray for me. No, no, don't pray for me. What are you doing with what God already said? That's what was in the recipe there. It's not pray and you'll prosper. It's meditate, do, and you'll prosper. See, but sometimes we think uh, whenever something's not working, well, well, we just need to get more people to pray. No, you don't. You need to find out what the Lord said, and then do it, and then it'll work. Everybody okay? I mean, think about it. How does it make any sense at all? If someone goes to the Lord, and they're asking, fix this, help me with this, do this for me. And yet, we're, he already told us what to do, and we're ignoring that. We're not paying any attention to what he already said. We're just saying, Lord, help me with this. In other words, God speaks... No, Lord, help me with this. And God speaks, and we don't even want to hear that. No, but Lord, fix this. See, there's a system that he set up. Now, we, we would take what he said, we would take his word, and then we'd implement it. We'd meditate on it and implement it. Don't just do it. Think about it and then do it. Think about it. Ponder it. Day and night, day and night, day and night, and then do it. Day and night, day and night, day and night. Gets into us, then we act out of that. And it automatically works. Say, what about prayer? When, when you're done, say, thank you, Jesus. Your prayer, how many know our prayer lives should be, the majority of them should be filled with thanksgiving and praise anyway? Yeah? And requests have their proper place. But look over at 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy 
chapter 4. So it would be almost rude of me to ask the Lord to fix something when he already told me what to do. I'm going to ignore his word and then ask him to do something? No. Heed his word. Meditate on it. Ponder it. Consider it again and again. Do his word. All right. Now I've done what he's required. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, notice with me verse 15. 415. It reads, meditate on these things. Give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. Notice what precedes progress. That's success in my mind. I I want to progress. I want to be further tomorrow than I am today. I want to be better off next year than I am this year. Right? I've accomplished more. What precedes progress? Meditation and giving myself completely, entirely to something. Yeah? If I don't meditate on what God has said and give myself to it, why would I expect change? Well, why would I look back at the end and say, I just don't understand this. I just don't understand why some people succeed and some people don't. I guess it's just... God's sovereignty. No, it's not. It has nothing to do with God's sovereignty. It has nothing to do with God's will and God's choice. He gave us his word. What are we doing with it? So, Pastor, that's kind of hard. You're saying this could be my fault. Just, I'm not here to beat anyone up, but let's, let's consider the possibility. Would we be open to that? Are we going to say, oh, no, I've always done everything perfectly. I've always done the perfect will of God. I've always done everything he said. Okay. I should probably give you the mic then. Because I don't qualify to be, uh, to be telling you anything. Uh, but your progress may be evident to all. Verse 16. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine. Take heed to who? Yourself. Continue in them. Continue. In other words, don't just start and stop. For in doing this, you will save both yourself and those who hear you. And so in a very real sense, God's not going to save us. In this sense, it's not God who saves me. It's me who saves me. You see that? I'm not talking about eternal life. I'm not talking about being born again. I can't give myself uh, a, re- a relationship with him and forgive myself of my own sins. He's talking to Timothy. Timothy's already saved. Timothy's already in the family. But he's saying, listen, Timothy, this is how you're going to save yourself all kinds of problems in life. This is how you're going to save yourself from all kinds of uh, rough situations and attacks and things of that nature. He says, if you will meditate, if you will give yourself to this, you'll save yourself. And then everyone else who listens to you, they'll be helped too. They'll be saved as well. Praise God. Everybody okay with this so far? Is this good? Am I messing with anyone's beliefs? In this sense, like I said, it's not God who saves me. He gets the praise because at the end of it I say, well, it was your word I meditated on. It was your word I put into practice. It was your ways that I aligned my life with. But when I did, thank you, Lord, it worked. Oh, thank you, Lord, life is so much better. Now, now there are four relationships that I want to bring to your attention today. Four relationships that we need to get established and 
and, and set in order for us to navigate life in a successful way and not be sabotaged, okay? Let me, let me give you these four relationships. Number one is our relationship with God. Number one is God. And, and this has to do with how we respond to what he has already given us. Not how can I convince God to do things for me that I want him to do, no, but how do I respond to his word? How do I respond to the direction that he has given me? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 12 is a very powerful verse. And I want you to consider, want you to consider these truths here today as we read. Uh, because this is both simple and profound. Simple and life-changing. It, it reads in verse 12, Now we have received... Not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. That, or we could say, so that, we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Now, 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 now think about that for a moment. God gave us his spirit for a reason. One of those reasons is so we would know things that we don't know. Yeah? He speaks, he reveals, he unveils, he talks to us, he leads us, he guides us. What does he want to unveil to us? Sometimes we are always mindful of the future. Well, he's going to show us what's coming. He's going to tell us God's plan for our lives, what's coming up. Yeah, that's all good and true. But his scripture says he has come so we would know what has already been freely given to us by God. So that reveals to us the potential and really the actual condition that someone could have something and not know about it. That, I mean, in the physical world, maybe that doesn't happen too often, I mean, because if I have something in my pocket, if I own something, I usually know I do. I mean, except for if you start to clean out closets and stuff, then <laughs> you find out, ooh, I still, I have one of these. I didn't know I had one of those. Uh, so they can exist even in the physical world. But spiritually speaking, this exists all day long. Meaning, the very moment a person gets saved, they make Jesus the Lord and Savior of their life, they are given the whole, uh, the whole tamale. They are given rights and privileges and as children of God, as sons and daughters in the house and family of God, they are given gifts. They are given rights to act and do certain things. They're given authority. They're given all kinds of stuff, but they don't know any of it. Usually, the only thing we know first off is I've received forgiveness or salvation. I've received eternal life. That's usually about the extent of what we know. I accepted the Lord and I'm going to heaven and, and that's kind of high on the list. So we think that's it. Now I'm just going to try to live my life for God and get my way through until I get to heaven. No, no. From the time we receive eternal life and get saved, now the learning begins to find out what was in the package deal. To find out that when we signed up for this family, we not only got heaven to come, we got a whole boatload of perks 
and benefits and promises and privileges and victorious elements that cause us to succeed in life. If I don't know I got them, I'm not going to use them. I know that wasn't great English, but whatever. It's like, it's like if you had a, an extra million in your bank account, you know, like an extra, not like that regular million. That, if you had an extra million in your bank account, but you didn't know it, you'd never use it. But if you found out about it, it might change your life. You might do some things different. Well, what if I have received all kinds of stuff from the Lord, but I don't know about it? That's a fact. That's a fact with all of us. I am still, uh, I'm still learning about this now, about all that he did in me when I got saved and all that he gave to me. So how, how does that work? His spirit. More I listen to him and follow him, I, found out, I find out what I've already got. See, many people are trying to get God to do what he's already done. They don't understand why they're not getting a result. They're not getting an answer. Well, he already gave that to you. So what's one of our primary prayers? Father, show me what I already have. Show me what I can already do. Show me what I've been given in this relationship and being in Christ. See, religion often wants to push off all the perks, all the benefits, all the really good stuff to heaven. And when you get to heaven, oh, what a glorious day it will be. And no doubt it will. But I'm telling you, the Lord has much in store for us in this life that we can utilize and benefit from and represent Him in and then go to heaven. Everybody okay? So He doesn't want us to stumble around in ignorance. He wants us to know what has been given to us. Say, what are you talking about? Well, that's, if that's the question, then you know this is real. Well, I don't know anything else I've gotten besides forgiveness. That's the point. And if some of you can list a few things, I can list a few things. I can talk about, uh, you know, uh, authority. I can talk about peace. I can talk about uh, healing. I can talk about victory and success and prosperity. and so All those things are a message in and of themselves, but they've been placed inside the spirit of all born-again people. They already exist there. And if I know it, I say, hey, I've got one of those in there. Let's draw it out. Hmm. Ooh. Look at that secret compartment in my wallet. <laughs> There's something else in there. And I'm telling you, we're going to keep discovering and keep looking if we'll pay attention and we'll find out what we've received from Him. Amen, amen, amen. Someone says, well, what you don't know won't hurt you. I know, it'll kill you. <laughs> it does many times. Many times what you don't know will, it will end your life short. So let's find out what we've got in Christ so we don't get taken out. Yeah? Ignorance isn't always bliss. Amen. All right, here's the second relationship. And I, I pause on the word relationship here because you'll know as soon as I say it. But it's a relating to. Uh, but the second one is the devil. All right? My relationship with God, my relationship with all that he has given me, all that he has promised, my relationship, secondly, with the devil or to the devil, or how do I respond to him? In other words, let's be aware. Let's not be in the ditch, but let's be aware there is a real devil out there that hates your guts, wants to clean your clock, 
wants to make you miserable every single day of your life. And if things are falling apart, or if you've experienced some bad stuff, and we all have, know that it wasn't God. It wasn't the Lord doing that to you. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. It's the thief who comes to rip you off. It's the thief, John 10, who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we should be aware of that. Now, I understand that there are ditches in all subjects, and there are people that live devil conscious. You ever met that person? All right? Let's not, if you're here, stop it. In other words, just everything's the devil. Looking for a devil behind every bush. Always, you know, I saw you look at me strange. You need deliverance, don't you? You know, and everything, it's just too much devil conscious. No, be God conscious. But at the same time, I don't want to be in the other ditch. You, you know, the other ditch is, and Christians have been taught this. The other ditch exists like this. Anything bad that happens or a sickness comes and everything is related back to God. Everything is the Lord, the Lord willed it to happen or it was in his plan. I can't understand it. And it all goes back to God. It's like, seriously, have you ever read the, the, the very life of Jesus? He dealt with demons. He didn't say to the bad man of Gadara, Father, we know that in your great plan, there are mysterious things that you do that we can't understand. <laughs> he didn't address the father when the devil had taken over in this guy's life. He addressed the demon directly. Even when Peter's mother-in-law had the fever, he didn't say, Father, help her to deal. Give her the strength to deal with the fever. No. What did he do? He said, fever, I rebuke you. Scripture said he rebuked the fever, didn't talk to the Father about it, just dealt with it. See, this is a truth that, that believers need to understand. Our relationship to or in, in opposition to the devil is vital that we get. So we stop praying to God when it's time to resist the devil. Remember James 4, 7, where he says, Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. Amen. First Peter 5, 8 reads, Be sober, be vigilant, be on the screen. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So apparently he may devour some people, but not every, pe every people. Right? Who may he devour? I tell you, he devours people who are ignorant. He devours people who are deceived. He devours people who don't know when he shows up to attack that they're supposed to say, absolutely not. In Jesus' name, I resist you. I resist this activity. And if Christians don't know that, they get run over by the devil. They get eaten up and devoured. And they say, Father, why is this happening? See, they, don't have, they have the relationships wrong. They're mixed up and confused and convoluted. And, and they don't know when to be talking to the Lord and when to be talking to the devil and when to be standing, when to be praising, when to be resisting. See, I need to know what I've been given so that I know how to act. So I need to learn to resist the devil. Number three. Ready for number three? Ready, ready, ready. I need to learn, know how to relate to other people. I need to know how to relate to others. I'm never going to really succeed in life 
until I recognize that other people do impact me. Until I recognize that I'm not called to be alone, an island unto myself. As a Christian, I'm called to be a part of a family, a body of believers. It's one of the reasons we get together. This relationship is not just personal. It's also a family. And if I don't learn how to deal with these relationships, I'm going to get knocked out of my race. I'm going to hinder my success. But none of us, again, were called to be alone. I can't control how someone relates to me. But I can control how I relate to them. In other words, it's pretty much a given and an obvious understanding. If you stay around very long in life, someone's going to cuss you out. Someone's going to hurt you. Someone's going to talk behind your back. Someone's going to rip you off or lie about you or do something. Right? Has that ever happened to anyone in, in, in here? Okay, a couple people. Um, the rest of you, you are highly blessed. Because everyone's been nice to you your whole life. But how many, under, how, how many understand that if we don't see that that is not only a possibility but a probability and maybe even a guarantee then when that stuff happens, we get bumped out of our place. Yeah, we get bumped out of our spot. And uh, I can control how I treat you. And if I treat you wrong, that's, that's on me. That's my fault. I need to get that in, in control. You need to learn how to love and forgive and be kind and generous and put others first, right? But not everyone's going to do that back to you. Even if you do it perfectly, some people are not going to be nice. They're going to be rude. And, you know, can I tell you a secret? Don't tell anyone. Let's just keep this between us here. All right? It might happen here. It might happen in church where someone is rude, unkind, doesn't forgive. What are you going to do with that? You're going to recognize that we're all a work in process? You're going to recognize that maybe you would have done that same thing a while ago? You're going to recognize you might do that tomorrow? <laughs> So I so, well, I don't, I just don't, I don't have to be in a place like that. You don't, you don't. You can go be your own church. <laughs> you and the Lord and you'll never fight with anyone. So I'm, I'm looking for the perfect church. Well, if you find it, they're going to kick you out. <laughs> Why would they let you ruin it? They have that perfect thing going. You're going to show up there with all your selfishness. Hallelujah. Tell someone around you, I think he's talking to you today. <laughs> this message is totally for you. <laughs> but don't let, the, don't let the misdeeds of someone else knock you out of your place. Yeah? We need to learn to, to, to handle. And really, it's a response again. I need, I need to know how to respond to my father. Am I movable? Am I, can he change me? Can he speak and I just, I never change? See, I got to get that fixed. I need to learn how to deal with attacks, the enemy attacking. What, what do I do? Do I cower? Do I cave? Do I buckle? Do I uh, submit to that or do I stand against it? Yeah, I need to learn how to deal with relationships with people. Am I going to just take offense? Am I going to be hurt and live, and live with a grudge and, and, and unforgiveness? Or am I going to learn how to take a blow? <laughs> and then forgive them and love on them anyway and be strong enough to where the enemy can't stir up a carnal Christian and, and knock them out of, their, out of your place. All right, the last relationship. I think you probably know where I'm going if you heard the title up front. 
So we got God, we got the devil, we got others, and you. Yourself. I need to learn how to relate to me, to myself. There's something about your own self that is kind of interesting, is that you're always there. I can try to get away from other people. I can't get away from me. Every morning I wake up, there I am. I look in the mirror and I'm still there. And if I don't learn how to deal with myself, I can't succeed in life. I can't overcome. I can't have all the things that I want or need. Uh, I'm always going to be with me. Even if God intervenes in my life, I still have the potential to sabotage it. And so if I don't learn how to deal with myself, how can I succeed? A great deal of what happens to each of us in life is neither God nor the devil. We're always looking for a spiritual source. What's God doing? That's the devil. Well, sometimes it's neither. It's just me. Huh? I mean, the devil didn't need any help on that one. <laughs> I, 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 I took care of myself, myself. And, uh, but I should realize that. Just as the, I must resist the devil, I must give place to God. But it's possible for me to fill my life up with so many earthly things that there's no room for heaven. Even as a believer, even as a child of God. Think about it like a glass or a cup, a a container. We only have so much capacity. What do we fill it with? See, I can't fill my life with the things of this world and just all earthly stuff and then say, well, God, how come your blessings aren't working in my life? How come this isn't isn't jiving like it's supposed to? Because I don't give him any space. I need to give him space enough to displace the things of the world, the thoughts, the ways, the motives, the actions, yeah? And the more of him I will drink in and fill myself full of. The ways of the world, suddenly they're being displaced. And it's essential that we do it. That's why he said, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, day and night. Well, what if I take a couple days and a couple nights off? Your, your capacity will be filled with earthly things. It will. We'll just, we'll be, we'll be taking in other stuff. So the soon as I stop giving my attention to things that really matter, God's successful words, they get replaced with worldly thoughts and worldly ways. That's why it's hard to obey him sometimes. That's why it's hard to be fully committed sometimes. That's why it's hard to do the right thing when you know what the right thing is, but you don't have the motivation and the strength to do it. Because we've been dwelling on, meditating on, thinking about things that are totally contrary to his ways, and then you were going to try to implement them. That's why he didn't just say, this book of the law, do it, and you'll succeed. He said, meditate in it. He said, ponder it, consider it, think about it, talk about it, get it in your mouth. How often? As a normal part of your life, just like you eat every day, you eat food every day, eat the Word of God every day. Fill your life full, and it will become a natural doing of that Word. You might remember Psalm 78, 41, which reads, Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Think about that very concept. They limited God. 
almighty God, all-powerful, all-knowing, and yet human beings can limit him. You know why we can do that? Because he doesn't force himself. He doesn't force his will. He doesn't force his way. He doesn't force his grace upon us. You and I have the ability to resist him. There is a doctrine out there that people, they call it uh, un, or irresistible grace. I don't believe that doctrine. I don't believe that. That is not true. God's grace can be resisted. He can, and he is resisted often. If we, all be, if we would all be honest with ourselves, we've all done it. Some of you did it for years with salvation, and all of us maybe, and others, since we've been saved, we've resisted him at different times. We've done our own thing. We dug in and stiffened our neck and, and said, I'm going to do things my own way, my own plan, my own time. See, he can be resisted. That's why we learn, and he reveals so we can make the right choice and receive of him. So what do I do? Uh, my relationship to the Father is I'm saying, show me. Show me what I have. Show me what you've already given me. My relationship and in opposition to the devil is one of resistance. I say no. I use the word and the spirit and the, word of the, the name of Jesus to resist him. My relationship with others is to be one of love and forgiveness and grace. Yeah, be graceful with one another. My relationship to myself goes back to what Paul told Timothy. He said, take heed. Give attention to your response. Give attention to these words. Apply them to you. Apply yourself to them and see how it changes things. I, I want to look at the mirror. Maybe I'll teach this later. Maybe not. But the Bible is, is to be like a mirror for us. See, I can look in my natural mirror and I see everything. I see all the flaws. I see everything that I don't like. And I look in the mirror of God's Word and I see who I am in Christ. And like, the more I look at that mirror, the more I'm changed. Yeah? But I need to take heed to myself. What do I do with myself? Look at myself in Christ. Let him paint a new picture. Let him rid myself of all the, all the negativity and nonsense that we allow to exist in our own lives. And so I want to begin, uh, we're, we'll get into some things next week. It's going to be fun. It's going to be powerful. We're going uh, to uh, draw blood from everyone on the way in. And uh, not in a literal sense, but uh, how many understand if you went to a doctor and, and maybe you said, I, you know, I've, I don't feel good. I, don't, uh, I, I lack strength or something. They might take a blood test. And they might examine your blood and say, you know, well, you're, you're deficient in this vitamin. You have a deficiency in this mineral. If you would add this vitamin to your diet or add this type of food, and it will, it'll strengthen you, it'll help you, it'll, it'll fix the way you're feeling. They might give you that kind of diagnosis. Uh, I think that's also true spiritually, all right? In other words, we want to identify deficiencies, we want to, I mean, not from a condemning way. We're not here to beat anyone up over something they're missing or lacking. But if my spiritual life has some holes in it, if I've got some gaps, if I've got some things that I, I should know but I don't know or I should be doing but I'm not doing or some thinking that is off kilter and I need to change it. You know, Paul wrote and he said to different groups, he said, I want to come to you and perfect that which is lacking in you. See, he's talking to Christians, Right? Uh, say, well, aren't we perfect and complete in Christ? Colossians 1, we are in Christ. But, 
day-to-day, our practical lives, our knowledge, our experience with him, the amount of grace that we're enjoying and living in that is designed to produce success in all areas of life, sometimes we are lacking. And sometimes we have to put our finger on it and say, look, there's supposed to be something there and there's nothing there. <laughs> and so we want to take, your, take a blood test and uh, we want to look at things spiritually and, and determine what we need to alter and change and to have put in our lives. Praise God. So bring your scalpel next week. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, but we'll start to look at some things and, and, and I believe it'll be very, very helpful if we all get healthy, if we all get the holes plugged in the boat, you know. I want to use too many different analogies at the moment. <laughs> but uh, if we all look at this and say, the biggest factor in my life, because God is who he is, he's not changing. Because the devil is against me, that's a fact, and he's a loser and defeated anyway. People are going to be what they're going to be, and I can't fix all of them. But there's me. There's the, the you factor. And if I can get some things in order there, ooh, we're going to be laughing, laughing. Come on. Father, in Jesus' name.